Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, we'll be discussing something we haven't discussed on this podcast before. Heathers. Heather plants will be coming into stock in your garden centres soon. They look magnificent. And David Edge from Forest Edge Nurseries down in Dorset, an expert on the subject, will be with us shortly. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this week's podcast. It's allotment week this week, and speaking to uh, the people who are on uh, my local allotments, I understand that uh, blight has uh, already arrived on both potatoes and tomatoes, so do keep an eye out if uh, you're growing either of those crops. It's not surprising, I suppose. High temperatures and lots of moisture, and I'm afraid potato blight does spread quite a bit. But they're also saying enormous yields. They can't give runner beans away, apparently. There are so many of them. But there's been a lot going on this week. I've been to the seed trial grounds of Mr Fothergill, who has a a new seed treatment called OptiGrow, which means that your carrots and parsnips will germinate much quicker and more easily next spring. They've bought the hand tools company, Dalak. So we're going to see some changes there. And I popped in too to see Peter Beale's roses up at Attleborough. They've got a really nice rose garden there, over two acres. And so if you're looking for a bit of a day out, then that's uh, well worth popping in there. It's uh, over two acres, and uh, one biggish section of it is a wildlife garden. And so if you've got some children on board, they'll have a whale of a time running about, looking in the wildlife pond and seeing all the other things that uh, are at Attleborough. I've uh, recently been to Cable Manor College to see a potato trial. 34 different uh, cultivars and we could have a taste of six of them and then I went down to Wisley to uh, join the party of people that were judging the zinnia trial. Goodness there's a lot going on at Wisley. Last week I mentioned Hyde Hall and the money they were spending. There's no let up in the money being spent at Wisley either. There's a new barn building being put up for volunteers and staff over by the delivery end. And then, of course, the whole of the main entrance is going to be completely redesigned and rebuilt, and the builders are underway with that. Wisley is a great place to uh, pop in, and particularly the Zinnia trial. There's uh, over a hundred of them, very nice colours, some, and tremendous variation. It is uh, worth having a look. On a sad note, if I could just report to deaths. Two photographers, Ed Gabriel from Ipswich, that I worked with a lot uh, over the years. Really charming man, sadly has died. And also a younger man, Marcus Harper. He was a very talented, lovely person to be with. At least they leave us some really fantastic pictures. You know, when I go into the garden and see a flower opening, then it's left to my memory. But those two could, of course, capture in two dimensions all that charm and beauty. I will remember them kindly as I walk round my garden looking at beautiful things. But we need to get on, you know, gardening doesn't stop. And really, if you could lay hands on some autumn onion sets, they're well worth planting over the next two months. I hope we'll get some of the schools planting them because they seem to be pretty well foolproof. 
They're big enough for small fingers to just push gently into the soil. They make a bit of leaf before the winter sets in and then they're ready to harvest in June, well in May even. And if you put three or four in a 20 litre pot, you'll have some really good onions to harvest early next summer. And don't forget this year's crops, runner beans. It may have rained a lot, but with all that foliage, they tend to cast the moisture. So do check the roots and give them a really good watering, particularly if the beans aren't coming fast and fat. And my sprouts, goodness, they are very leafy and I need to put a stake to each one of them. I grow quite a few dahlias and I think it's worth just disbudding them a bit to get the flowers up on longer stems. They sort of stand clean and proud and the flowers are bigger. And of course, if you want to cut them, you've got that longer stem. Keep a watch out for earwigs. They're beggars. They don't half nip the petals off dahlias. And if you put um, a flower pot, a five and a half inch, a 13 centimetre flower pot, stuffed full of straw or dry grass or even crumpled up paper, upside down on a cane, in amongst the dahlias, you'll find the earwigs go in there in the daytime and you just carefully lift the pot off the cane and take it away and give it a tap. What I like to do is to give them a knock over the fruit trees because uh, earwigs not only eat the petals of dahlias, they also eat greenfly. So uh, it's better to put them somewhere where they can be useful. Earlier this year, I was walking through the... Uh, flower pavilion at Hampton Court Palace Flower Show and bumped into the most charming exhibit of heathers. Now you might say what's special about that. Well, it really takes quite a bit of skill to have heathers looking really good in June and July. I mean they really can provide colour all year round and the master behind this exhibit was David Edge from Dorset. Good afternoon, David. Good of you to join us. Lovely. Thank you very much, Peter. Good afternoon to have a chat with you as well. Yeah. I mean, that was a really lovely little exhibit. What tempted you out? Because you don't usually sort of trade with the public, do you? We don't normally, and we haven't done so for a number of years. Not, not that we've excluded the public, but we've gone more in the direction of, of selling uh, direct to nurseries and garden centres. And that was the aim for, from the early years, really. Looking at your website... I mean, it looks as if you were made to be a heather grower. You were actually apprenticed to the nursery trade at the beginning, is that correct? Yeah, yes. At age 19, I, I worked for a nursery in, in, in Dorset. It was a Stuart's Nursery, an old established firm there. And uh, they very kindly put me through an apprenticeship. And one of the uh, tasks there was, was the propagation of trees and shrubs, and that included heathers, and, and that's really where an interest grew from in, in those days. So the bug really bit you. But it must have been, uh, you know, quite a challenge to actually start up on your own. Well, I, I was quite fortunate in, um, say, developing an interest in, in the heathers at the time that they were just becoming popular. And my parents had moved down from Wiltshire down to Dorset and, and they bought a property with a third of an acre of a garden and part of that was wild heather, which... Well, I started growing heathers as a hobby, and I think we got got actually up to about two to three thousand in my parents' garden. And I did a little bit of part-time work for other uh, nurseries and garden centres, and they were interested in the heathers, and they bought some. And uh, 
it went from there. And when I look on your website and see that fantastic show of colour, I mean, Heather's, they're unbeatable, aren't they, for year-round colour? They're so universal. I mean, they're, you, you can go from a plant that only grows to two or three centimetres high up to um, different types that will grow to, you know, three, three four metres and providing colour right through the whole year, really. There's, there's a couple of months where a little bit lean, like in May and uh, November, December, but even then you've got foliage colour and, and the different habits and different shades of green and bronze uh, that provide interest right, th- right through. Now, do people need to be frightened about them? If you read any article about heathers, they'll immediately start talking about acid soil and how demanding they are. Uh, I garden on heavy clay, uh, have had them since the exciting days of the 70s, and I find them quite easy to grow. Oh yeah, yes. I, I mean, most most people can grow the kind of winter winter or spring flowering varieties on, and they're they're a much more tolerant and, and robust um, kind of family of heathers. But there's nothing like you know, uttering the word ericaceous and acid um, <laughs> soil to people to frighten them off. But uh, as you say, it, it, heathers are not a plant to be frightened of. I mean, the general rule, although there are exceptions, is that the summer flowering ones require an acid soil and the winter spring flowering ones will grow on most soil types. If you just bear that in mind, then essentially that, that's, that's a, a good rule to go by. I used to work a long time ago for a nursery up in Norfolk and they used to go to the Setford Forest, by arrangement, to collect the pine needle peat or leaf mould, or whatever you'd call it. Boy, that was lovely stuff for rhododendrons, azaleas, and heathers. Uh, so if somebody has a, a bit of fall from a pine, this is one occasion when it is quite useful, isn't it? Oh, yes, and, and you, you can get quite a lot of debris from, from pine trees over, over a season. And you, if you've trained the grey squirrels correctly too, they'll sit up in the pine tree and they'll chew, chew the cones and, and break them all up down and let them fall down to the ground. And <laughs> they're nice little pieces here. <laughs> At last, they're used for grey squirrels. Eh? Oh yes, there is some. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember in a Northern Ireland garden, they had uh, hedges made of uh, winter flowering heathers, but quite low as a sort of alternative to box. Is that a sensible thing to do? Oh yes, yeah, they're 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 quite uh, tolerant of trimming. Actually, they they are they are a plant that needs to be kept trimmed regularly. Uh, certainly, you can't leave it for three, four, five years and and then give it a good hard trim back into brown wood because it won't usually re-sprout. But on an annual trim where you've got lots of um, young young shoots, then uh, they that will form a, a very good hedge and. We've trimmed them into uh, con- conical shapes and you know, up to a height of getting on for about a metre and a half uh, at the moment. One of my experiments was to see whether you could grow them on a short leg and from the uh, Aerogena family will quite take quite well to that. So it, kind of topiary is, is, is not out of the question with heathers at all. Well, if I could take a bit further on, on the sort of hedge thing... I mean, we have problems with box, so why not look for alternatives? And if we do use uh, ericas, then we've got winter flower too, haven't we? Oh, yes, that's right. The, I mean, the erica um, cross dalliensis group, of which you know, you've got Kramer's red and other flower colours through, through from pinks and, and whites and purples and, and gold foliages as well, 
lend themselves very well to that. And of course, they're, they're tolerant again on, on both soil types and, and very hardy. And so if I was to choose one or two for hedging, would Kramer's Red be one of them? Um, Kramer's Red would, would certainly be very suitable. And there are a couple of other varieties. I mean, you've got uh, White Perfection, which is a lovely white flower on, on light green foliage. Um, Spring Surprise, which is a later flower, going more towards the shades of, of purple. But all of the Erica Daliensis family uh, are, are very suitable for that. And they, they've got a little bit more vigour and height in them than some of the other varieties. And when will we prune? I mean, could we prune and shape the hedge at a time when we still had flower? Or, or if we trim repeatedly, presumably we'll reduce the flowering. Yeah, the general rule um, for, for heathers is after they finish flowering, then, then give them a trim. And the Dianiensis group that we're talking about, uh, they'll finish flowering towards the end of April, beginning of May. So a, a, a trim by the end of May uh, would, would be ideal because they'll start putting the flower buds on again in, in June and July. So, yeah, a, a trim in, in May, and you might need just another light trim towards the autumn, but taking care not to remove the flower buds. You know, I think I might have a go at that. I still have the small bed outside our back door that I planted. It must have been about 1975, I suppose. And I really now need to strip it out. You can imagine how woody and miserable some bits of it are looking. But underneath I've got some hardy cyclamen snowdrops and, and I've got to sort of bite the bullet and dig the whole lot up. Do you think it would be a sensible thing to just edge that with a little heather hedge? It uh, make, makes nice edging to it, certainly. And uh, you, you, you would have a, a edging or a hedge there that would grow to um, 30 to 45 centimetres. You could quite happily keep it at that and, and with, with a similar width of about 30 centimetres. And you can get some nice electric trimmers, um, battery-operated trimmers, and they, they do the job wonderfully. I don't think I'm going to be drawn to your lawn. Now tell us a bit about that lovely little heather lawn that we saw at Hampton Court. Well, this was part of the concept of looking at different uses of heathers and wandering over the heathland. And we were there yesterday and looking on the heathland and walking over there. Uh, you've got the Kaluna there, which is uh, quite tightly grazed, and it's only about uh, 15, 20 centimetres in, in height and, and flowering well. And I thought, well, I wonder if you could translate that habit into a cultivated um, concept and trying it with the uh, winter flowering, again, the Erica uh, Daliensis group, which is suitable for most soil types, which is one of the advantages of, of, of selecting that variety. And uh, with its upright habit and, and, and more robust growth on it, then it, it proved very suitable for doing it. Probably not a concept for everyday wear, but uh, certainly it could be done on, on an area. If you were going to walk on slabs, then you, you could do it uh, so the path was, was edged or uh, the slabs slightly surrounded by um, the trimmed heather. Naturally seen on, on uh, sheep grazed moorlands, no reason why it couldn't be done in the garden. No, take take a tip from nature. I wonder, David, could, could I just take you through one or two of your novelties? The one which um, really caught my eye was uh, Erica Carnia Saskia. That's named after your granddaughter. That, that's that's right. Yes. yes. So presumably you think a lot of that then. It it's well it was it was an interesting colour break. Um, most of the winter flowering heathers 
the, the color ranges through from from white through to pale pink and uh, deeper pinks, purples, and almost to reds. But Saskia ha- had this bright crimson color, and it was a seed- seedling that we've um, occurred in one of our pots and replanted it out. And it's been trialed for nearly five years on on the nursery here before we decided yes, it was a, a variety worth growing and. Uh, having a granddaughter and uh, it was a natural connection between Saskia and say this the kind of bright very bright pink uh, almost to salmon color which is a a color break in that family. I hope she'll be charmed by that and what about Aztec gold it's another one of yours isn't it? Yes this this was a variety again from my my early days and uh, again another seedling being a uh, I've, I've put it in brackets or inverted commas heather enthusiast um, if I see a seedling on the nursery I like to keep it and, and see how it performs and Aztec Gold had that same interest that it was, it was a golden seedling that came up uh, with plenty of vigour and perhaps more vigour than a lot of other varieties um, uh, golden foliage Erica Carnia varieties and it had this lo- lovely again kind of light pink flower which deepens to purple uh, with the foliage again turning more orange and red, the colder the weather gets, and that's one of the attributes that heathers have. So some of the golden foliage heathers, they'll they'll change colour depending how the how the weather goes. The, the colder it is, the more orange and red they go. And, and then to sort of sum up a bit, David, if if um, the average person, not knowing very much about heathers, had a, a metre or two in a small suburban garden to plant, what would you recommend? I mean, three or four varieties. Yes, yes. I, I mean, we normally say um, putting in about five, six plants per square meter, and you can either plant in, in groups or blocks of, of color, or uh, you can get a very natural effect by mixing the varieties up completely together, ad, ad lib as such. More than one variety in pots in some cases, don't you? Oh, yes, that, that's right. That's right. There's, um, say, talking to a kind of Canadian grower. Uh, they, they do a lot of what they call uh, tricolours, where they'll put two or three um, plants into one pot, and that's done quite a lot now with imports from Germany and Holland. And uh, they're they're very suitable for pots and tubs. We haven't mentioned pots and tubs. No, that's right. Certainly for for winter flowering um, uh, colour in, in in containers, they they've got they've developed. Uh, quite an interest there now and uh, after the bedding plants have gone over then planting in in a container with um, could be with pansies and bulbs and polyanthus or primroses it, it makes all for a good combination and then david uh, you supply uh, nurseries garden centers other retailers so uh, if we're out and about how would we recognize a david edge plant um, all of our plants are round what we call one litre size pots all have a logo on it which has got a honey honeybee logo on it and our smaller plants all, all have our printing on the side of the pot and uh, a, a label also with the honeybee logo because say, we, we like to promote the combination of, of heathers uh, and, and the wildlife especially bees. Well I can certainly vouch for that. I mean we had a hedgehog nest under our small heather bed within what 20 feet of the back door so uh, they're certainly great for wildlife. David thank you very much for joining us today. You're an absolute mine of information. I really welcome speaking to you. 
Thank you very much. And perhaps I can just mention that if anyone wants further advice and information, there's a Heather Society website, which, which is full of uh, useful facts and, and figures there. What's on? Well, it's Southport Flower Show today and tomorrow. I hope the weather's kind up there. You know, if the sun shines at the seaside, makes everything, doesn't it? Keep a watch out for Steve and Val. They're up there, I think, doing a tour, seeing uh, all that's happening, and hopefully I'll have a report from them next week on what they thought of the show. Have a good time gardening. It's a joy to be out there. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sutton Seeds of Torquay, and thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Thank you.